You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Recorded in Chicago, Illinois, with your hosts, Ken, Matt, Neil, and Jeff, this is Triviality. Hello and welcome to Triviality, the game where a lack of seriousness meets a little bit of knowledge. My name is Neil and uh, it is a pretty exciting day here today. We got uh, some really cool guests we'll get to in just a minute, but the uh, even, I guess, uh, cooler guests are the ones always in the studio here with me. Matt, Jeff, and Ken. Oh, it's very oh, gracious yeah. of you. Yeah. The coolest yeah, guests the are the, the hosts you met along the way. Yeah, exactly. And it's not really the coolest guests because it's always just a sauna in here. So. <laughs> <laughs> not today. I'm freezing my ass off. Are you? Honest. You're cold yeah. today? There are two people in beanies, and I wish I was in shorts, but okay. that's how it goes. Yeah, we should just have a shorts-only policy. Why? I don't know. It's so always hot we, if you're wearing something. Only one yeah. of us would be happy. Yeah, and, and how is everyone doing today? Okay? Yeah. It's cold. Yeah, it's cold outside, but it's nice this. in here, so... Awesome. Well, great podcast content. General chit-chat. <laughs> yeah, general chit-chat. Weather, things, how are you? <laughs> uh, well, uh, it is... Uh, Your book's I, out? My book is finally officially <laughs> out. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so it's, it was out last week, so this is uh, uh, this is the first week of so the book being out. So look for at the top of the so bestseller I list? Okay. I, well, I hope so. I mean, I'm hoping... I, I heard a lot of people pre-ordered it. I appreciate those who did, uh, and I'm I'm... In the process of talking with the publisher about maybe uh, one or two more opportunities because of all the people pre-ordering, so thank you for those of you that did. And if you haven't yet or you'd like to buy it, it's available everywhere. So go if pick you, up. That copy. means theoretically, in the future, I have received it. Yeah, I've already and read it. Have read it probably. Probably, and yeah. It was great. Oh, if anyone would maybe. like a bootleg copy, uh, just join us at Patreon.com/TrivialityPodcast, and I will do a TikTok for each oh. single page. You'll be of scanning, the book. scanning the pages and distributing them like leaflets. Uh, well, speaking of that, actually, that's a great segue, Jeff. Uh, so patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast is actually going to be the name of one of the teams pr- uh, performing today, Matt and Jeff. Uh, and we'll we'll get to why in just a minute here. But Because we're you int- should go there and give us money. Well, that's true. We're almost at 500 patrons. We're super excited to say that. So thank you again to everyone who supports us uh, on our road to, to 500. Uh, we'd love to introduce our guests, though. Our uh, first guest uh, is coming to us from Greensboro, North Carolina, and that is Alex Jacob. How are you, Alex? Hey guys, uh, thanks for having me. Doing awesome. Great. Well, thank you for joining us. Uh, and uh, tell the folks a little yeah. bit about yourself. We're excited to have you here, uh, following you uh, for a little bit here uh, from some of the things you've done. So talk about them. Uh, cool. Thanks. Well, uh, I was on Jeopardy um, back in 2015. I was the Tournament of Champions winner and uh, I was on the All Stars tournament that they had a couple years ago and uh, just launched this year a new trivia league. And you can find out more about that at schooloftrivia.com. 
And uh, that's uh, the kind of the story of our team name today. It's going to be a plug versus plug battle. So uh, incidentally, <laughs> I will be joining him on uh, schooloftrivia.com. Great team name. <laughs> yeah. Great team name. Uh, yeah, we'll definitely have to check that out. Uh, and what's funny about the we have the two websites here. Uh, we have, I guess, the plugathon if you want. But Alex, at the first moment he came on, he said. Whatever person wants to win should be on my team. <laughs> so he, no, he threw down the gauntlet in a yeah, nice way, in a very polite way. No, you're making me sound bad, but I, I, I prefaced yeah, it. I, I said, you know, I'm not guaranteeing any kind of victory, but it was just, you know, I just when we get to the end, and if we do win, I just want, you know, my, I just want someone to yeah. feel it. You know, it I just more, want the it stakes was more to of be a there. It was. It was a nice. It was a nice way of saying to our uh, diminished minds. <laughs> yeah, and me Ken, and Jeff said no thanks. Yeah. <laughs> We don't want that. Ken said, I, I just need a good win. So yeah. Matt and I are sick of winning. Oh, so much winning over here. So yeah, Ken, you'll be with Alex on schooloftrivia.com, and then Jeff and Matt will be on the team, uh, patreon.com slash trivialitypodcast. So plug-a-thon today, but uh, we need a host in order to play the game. And, and we, incidentally, incidentally, another Jeopardy Another champ. Jeopardy champ and uh, awesome person. Uh, he's coming to us uh, from Aurora, Colorado, Oakland Five supporter on Patreon, Kyle Jones. How are you, Kyle? I am doing fantastic. Thank you for having me. We're so happy to have you here. We're complimenting your uh, microphone setup. You got a little booth to uh, block out the sound there. It looks pretty cool. I guess from Star Wars or something. But yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, sure. Um, yeah, as as you mentioned, um, my trivia pedigree. I guess I was on uh, Jeopardy, won some games in 2018, and I was in the Tournament of Champions in 2019. Uh, I did not win, so I can't claim to be at the same level as as uh, the other <laughs> guests today, but uh, feel pretty good about that. And um, I also, since we're doing plugs, uh, I also have a podcast. <laughs> it is about Jeopardy. It's called Potent Potables, mm, and nice. you can find our episodes at potentpod.com. Uh, if you are not a big fan of the show Jeopardy, don't bother listening because we talk <laughs> entirely about Jeopardy and you will probably be bored. But if you like Jeopardy, check it out. I'm going to go out on a limb and say a lot of our listeners are big fans of Jeopardy, yeah. so I think you're good. Yeah. This, yeah. Is, this is some very good targeted marketing. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so we got our hosts. We got our teams. Let's toss it to the rules guy. The rules of the game are simple. 20 questions split into two rounds worth 10 points apiece. At halftime, there'll be a special swing round designed by this week's host. After regulation, players will enter the final round with the points that they've accumulated and will have a chance to wager 0 to 30 points on five categorized questions. At the end of the game, someone will be named the cream of the crop. No, oh, doing his Alex Trebek impression today. In uh, all, only in questions too. Very strange. The rules read. What is strange. the rules read? Yeah, right. What is the rules? Read, the existential honestly. rules read. Uh, all right. Well, we have uh, Patreon.com/slash/TrivialityPodcast versus SchoolofTrivia.com, hosted by Potent Potables. <laughs> Do you a favor, Neil. We could just uh, host uh, shorten that to Patreon versus School of Trivia. We'll see. I, I, I might. I might say the full thing every time. All right, Kyle. Let's uh, let's kick it off. All right, here we go. Question one. Let's get tilted. Don Quixote is considered one of the first modern novels. It tells the story of an aging Hidalgo who takes on the moniker Don Quixote de la Mancha after reading so many chivalric stories that he imagines himself to be a knight errant. We get a number of terms and idioms from the novel, including quixotic and tilting at windmills. 
From a fictional story within the story, we also get what pejorative term? The name for a lecherous womanizer who seduces another man's wife. You know it? Uh, I believe so, yeah. Okay, we lock, we lock in. in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Would that be a Casanova, Alex, or a Libertine? One of those two? A Casanova, maybe? Um, the thing is, Casanova, I'm pretty sure, was a real guy. Was a real guy. No, a pretty yeah. bad guy, too, as, I, as I've learned. From a story. Maybe we should stop story. There's like Lothario. I thought that might Ooh, have been something else, though. That could be it. And it's pejorative, too, so. Right. I think right. Lothario is kind of Yeah, is that the pejorative. best we have? I think that's pretty good. At the moment. All right, let's go Lothario. Yeah, I mm. can't remember if that character is a Don Juan, but we said Lothario. And points for both teams. That is Lothario. Uh, right. That's from a little like cautionary tale within the story. And Lothario, actually, from what I understand, wasn't that bad a guy. His friend like badgered him into trying to seduce his wife. Mm. And then he was like, fine, I'll do it. And it worked. My friends are always asking me to do that too. <laughs> yeah. It's really weird. Peer pressure. It's tough. Yeah, it's, no, stop. It's, please stay don't. away from people. The legend that <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah, it's a weird story. Uh, was Did not go the way I thought it would. Anyway, nice job. Question two. Pardon me, can you tell me how to get to Sesame Street? Big Bird has been a staple on Sesame Street for decades, even though he is only six and a half years old. His species has never been identified. Could be a canary, could be a lark. However, the costume uses feathers of what particular bird? While not typically yellow, it does belie Big Bird's North American origin, even though its name in French translates to Rooster of India. And I think me and Jeff are locked in. Okay, cool. Crap, because luck did so fast. So what? Uh, what birds? So the, the, his costume is, or I guess, kind of costume, kind of puppet mix, right? <laughs> I mean, there's a guy in there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The arm is the neck. So it was made out of real Crazy. feathers, which I just learned. <laughs> I would be so, so allergic. Like a, to that a, thing? a rooster oh, yeah. of, of India? Would you say like a turkey or? A... Would you? Would you? Would you agree that that's probably there's probably some kind of North American? In the name? Maybe not in the name, but just the bird is probably native to North America, which gotcha, is why I was saying gotcha. like maybe turkey you know, or the, like, uh, like it's probably not bald eagle feathers. I'm I wanted, guessing. I wanted my Canada goose jacket to be vegan, so I had it stuffed with Big Bird. Oh, there you go. <laughs> oh, um, could it be like a, a Canada goose? It's possible. I mean, it is down, but goose I don't feathers? know. Goose Goose feathers? That would make sense, right? That's a yeah. thing. Yeah, we could we could try that. That is used for down, right? It, he does look pretty soft, so we'll say goose feathers. <laughs> I have no, I have... We guessed turkey. Yeah. Uh-oh. All right. Uh, points are going to patreon.com slash It is turkey feathers. <laughs> wow. It's turkey feathers. And only only something like Five out of every hundred turkey feathers are, are good you, enough for Big Bird's costume. Are you, oh, wow. They they went through a lot of turkeys. <laughs> Did they send out like Oscar the Grouch? And... Surprise, Big Bird isn't red. Well, Elmo the... gets to pardon one, I think, every year. <laughs> <laughs> and then right. he also executes the, the one who isn't pardoned, Elmo. Me kill you. <laughs> uh, all right, question three. She would have made room for Leo. Local Colorado hero Molly Brown is notable for many reasons. She was, she was a socialite in Denver high society, 
wealthy through marriage and her own enterprise, and engaged in the advancement of women's rights and other social issues of the time. Her greatest claim to fame occurred in April 1912 on a return trip from visiting her daughter in Paris. Her bravery and level-headedness during the early hours of April 15th earned her what nickname? Yeah, 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 right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, we played too much together. Unsinkable, right? Yeah, Unsinkable, unsinkable Molly, Molly Brown. Brown, yeah. Or is that Kathy Bates the, in, the, in the movie. Yep, Unsinkable Kathy Bates, <laughs> I call her. Uh, we two went Unsinkable. That is Unsinkable Molly Brown. Nice job. Uh, yeah, I grew up like 10 minutes from the Molly Brown house. Wow. Cool. Is it like a museum now or... Yeah, and like you can book events and stuff. It's it's not very big and really like a frat not party? terribly interesting. Right. Yeah, yeah, that would, <laughs> that would fit. Come the vibe check real out well. Lambda Kai <laughs> yeah. at the Unsinkable Molly Brown House, nine Play some p.m. Beer pong at the Unsinkable Molly Brown's house. Nice. Oh wow! All right. Uh, question four: Repeatedly cut gems. The Tavernier Blue was mined in India and purchased by French merchant Jean Baptiste Tavernier in 1666. It was cut and renamed the French Blue, then sold to Louis XIV in 1668. It was stolen in 1791 and recut, reappearing in 1839 under a new name. What is this storied gem now called, which currently resides in the Smithsonian? I think we can all agree it is not the diamond-encrusted Furby from Uncut Gems. From Uncut Gems, no. Okay. That's my guess. I think it's wrong, but so you guys are locked? Mm -hmm. We're going to lock in. I'm thinking maybe the Hope Diamond. Yeah. Is that what you were thinking? Because I think I've been to the Smithsonian and I think I It definitely is blue. Yeah. I think you've been to the Smithsonian? That would make sense. (laughs) I was going to ask I was young. I was young. Oh, you just like like, happened upon it. (laughs) So you want to go with that Hope Diamond? Yep. All right, let's go with that. That's probably right. Yeah. Yeah. We too went with Hope Diamond. Well, hey, you guys weren't sure, but you are correct. It is the Hope Diamond. Nice job. Yeah, if you ask me to name... uh, a special jewel. gem, yeah. then I can only name one. So, Well, I'm glad I picked that one then. <laughs> it was, up until like four months ago, I thought that the Hope Diamond and the Kohinoor were the exact same thing. And then I found out they weren't. I just learned that there's a thing that exists it's called the, the Kohinoor. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Uh, all right. Uh, question five, whether or not. Ted Fujita of the University of Chicago, with Alan Pearson of the National Severe Storms Forecast Center, developed a scale to measure certain meteorological phenomena. The scale was introduced in 1971, updated in 1973, and enhanced in 2007. Yeah, that seems like but, enough. Or is it? I think I know one? it. If if we want to tell them, okay. The, so if Alex, we want to lock in. Yeah, that's fine. If Alex knows it, we'll lock in, and you guys can talk. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, so they're locked in. Um, you wrote down tornadoes. Yeah, because Fujita, so I think it's like F, one, two, three, four, five. I know it goes to five, but it said up to 13, so maybe that well, was... Well, it was the... originally 13 is what he said. Oh, yeah, I, I, that makes sense. I'm good with tornado. Or was what? how are hurricanes measured? By names. So like Sally is the worst one. No, but they have like tropical <laughs> storms. <laughs> <laughs> No, they're I, like, they're I think like, that's wrong. <laughs> they have like tropical storms, tropical depressions, and then up. Do they also use the F scale? Uh, possibly, but I'm, I'm good with tornado if you want to lock in with it. The hurricane scale for Matt is just names of ex-girlfriends, is what it sounds like. <laughs> and how much they destroyed his life. <laughs> well, we're going to leave it at that, and we're going to say tornadoes. Uh, well, actually, the, no, it's tornadoes, yeah. It, yes, it is tornadoes. Yeah, <laughs> right. good job. Points all around. Well... 
Uh, it's pretty good. First uh, five for each team here. Only one miss uh, on question two, but schooloftrivia.com uh, with 40 points at the end of the first five. Patreon.com slash podcast with a perfect 50, mm. uh, all featuring wonderful questions from potentpod.com. So thanks, Kyle. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> no problem. All right. Question six. Rocky Mountain High. What numerical term is used for the group of North American peaks, mostly in the Rocky Mountains, that are considered the most difficult and most prestigious to summit? Colorado is home to the most, and I've done a few myself. Well, that is very impressive, Kyle, that you've done a few of these. Do we get bonus Thanks. points for me saying that? You do, yeah. Actually, I didn't mention that, but you do get two bonus points. Um. Yeah. Last one I tried to do, I did not make it to the top. Kyle, what kind of sycophant would you like us to be? Uh, can you? Nobody compliments my hair. Can you compliment my hair? It, it's very epic. Mm-hmm. Thank you. I, I it's just All sweeping right, five, and five extra points for. Oh, very nice. Um, Jeff, do you have any ideas? You like math? Do a math. I, I like math and maps, and this is somehow the the Venn diagram of this is two separate <laughs> circles for me. So, after discussing nothing, I wrote a word down, and we are locking it Look. in. All right, there you go. Any uh, any bright ideas here? Because I am I'm blank. Gotcha. I do have something in my brain. It's one of those that I I may know or maybe like just on the edge, like partly right. But something like fourteeners, I think, like um, referring to them being fourteen thousand feet. Um, oh. That number may not be the right number, but um, that, that is good. what I have in my head, and I can't shake it. So I guess we'll go with that. Sounds good. Well, they went with a number, and we went with a an idea and we locked in with a tangent which occurs a lot on trivia yeah apparently that's that's fair uh yeah points to school of trivia it is 14 wow those peaks are over over fourteen thousand feet sounds like a gang of freshmen who like chase you (laughs) (laughs) Uh, all right uh question seven where'd you go the french city of lourdes has a few claims to fame of particular importance to Catholics was the occurrence of Marian apparitions to a young girl at a nearby grotto in early 1858. Water from that site is said to have healing properties. The girl went on to a life of religious service and was eventually sainted, with her feast day being April 16th, the day of her death. Which saint was this? I think we can lock in again if you want to. Oh, if man. that helps. Cool, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I mean, I'm pretty sure I don't. It's like what I'm, I'm pretty sure about. I don't, you know, I don't want to cut off discussion for cool. no reason. But cool, cool, if, it, cool, if cool. it helps things, yeah. So if they're locked in, then I can say some things out loud. You can freely say that you know nothing. Yeah, nothing. That's true. Um, so we're looking at a, a Catholic name. It's from, it's French. So we got nothing. No, I mean it's not Saint I mean, Patricia. Joan of Arc went the Patrick's other way. Cousin? I'm pretty sure they didn't like her. Um, yeah. <laughs> a, little, a little earlier yeah a lot earlier but um casimir yeah. pulaski that's the one also also deceased in polish in but, man <laughs> and a dude and not a saint <laughs> not a saint so. so checks all the boxes uh i i don't know saint mary of Mar- france Mary's. town we'll just oh, say lords we'll just say lords Mary. all right what do you have i have uh i think i think her name was bernadette oh mm. yeah 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 um Yes. Like they made uh, movies have been out and sorry. Yep, nope, that is that is correct. That is Saint Bernadette of Lourdes. I, I believe in French it's Bernadette though. 
Isn't that, that great song from like the 60s, Bernadette? You know, I knew you were going to go that, and I was going to make a four tops jokes from the 14 tops mm. question earlier, but I chose not to, Neil. You should have, because it. I was going to say that uh, also <laughs> also hailing from the French city of Lord are songs that always get slowed down in movie trailers. So, <laughs> um, I did have a clue. Uh, there is also a, a novel called Where Do You Go, Bernadette. That's what it is. Uh, that's the Kate Planchette movie. That's what I was thinking right. of. Yeah. And also a movie. Right. Yes. Yeah. All right. Uh, question eight forever collecting we trivia folks have lots of fun words for studies and collecting vexillology is the study of flags and numismatics is collecting coins and other monies what do philatelists collect for example they would be on the lookout for penny blacks and inverted jennies i i think you know for sure Mm -hmm. and i think i know so we'll lock in oh i think you might be right we'll go with that we are going to lock in an answer. Yeah. Okay. Is it stamps, Alex? Yeah, for sure. I think Penny Black is maybe the oldest stamp, and Inverted Jenny is this famous um, mistake stamp where they printed the plane upside down. So, yeah, and Philatelist for sure, stamps. Yeah. Uh, we are, I was pretty sure about Penny Black, so we also said stamps. Dot com. <laughs> Since this is all about plugs, right? All about plugs, yes. Uh, yeah, nice job. That is, that is correct. Uh, philately is the collecting of stamps. And Alex gave all the flavor text for that. So, yep, that's correct. Also, I didn't mean to steal your thunder. No, no, you're fine. You're fine. It's better when it's not just me saying things. Also, Terrence Stamp is the star of the movie The Collector. So that brings it full full (laughs) circle. There you go. (laughs) All right. Uh, Question nine. Oh, mommy. In French cuisine, the mother sauces or grande sauces are a group of sauces upon which many others are based. While there are discrepancies depending on the text or person you consult, we will go with the 1907 English edition of Auguste Escoffier's Le Guide Culinaire, or A Guide to Modern Cookery. According to that book, there are five mother sauces for two points each. Name all five. Oh, boy. I need to learn these. Yeah. It looks like Alex. <laughs> being, a, being, a, being a trivia man, uh, looks like he's got these memorized. I believe it's uh, Tabasco. Mm-hmm. Uh, melted butter hot <laughs> melted hot. butter <laughs> <laughs> i mean ranch ranch, <laughs> ranch. Those, that's that's the midwest sauces <laughs> mayonnaise Pizza sauce if it was me it would it would be like ranch garlic butter jardinera uh, <laughs> jardinera <laughs> uh jeff how many do you have uh, i think i probably have the same two you have dang it uh, <laughs> We're not. We're not getting anywhere. We could just add those three to that. I think two of them might be right. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Those. Those are like things. We're locked in. Okay, they're locked in. So uh, where where are we starting off, Alex? Here. Okay. Um, I should actually know these because I had uh, one of my quizzes was kind of inspired by the and uh, one of my school of trivia dot com. Get another plug in. <laughs> Uh, quizzes was inspired the by the mother sauces, <laughs> but I'm afraid I might miss one of them or two. That's okay. But do you have uh, do you have anything, uh, or should I just uh, no? Read you off you, what you I have? start, and I'll uh, I'll make up some ones to round off the list. How about that? Okay, okay, okay. So I'm I'm pretty sure there's okay. So there's one called like tomat, which is basically like a tomato sauce. Okay. Um, there's, uh, a, a velouté, which is kind of like a creamy thing. Um, there's espagnole, 
which is like a brown sauce. Mm-hmm. And uh, the last two, I think one of them, I'm going to say hollandaise, uh, which, you know, we know the yellow sauce, on, like eggs Benedict and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then the last one, I'm not sure, uh, but the best thing I have right now is bearnaise. Okay. But it's kind of similar to holidays. I'm not sure if they would both be in there. I'm going to I'm gonna just so. say a word that I don't know if it's a word, but like bechamel. Yeah. Is that a no, thing? That, that is a thing. I think, I think that actually might be right instead of bearnaise. Let's switch bearnaise out for bechamel. Okay. That's a good call, actually. I think that could be right. So let's go with those five with bechamel in there. It's funny you went with bechamel because that's a melted butter sauce, uh, which you were talking about earlier. <laughs> um, we ended up going with uh, hollandaise. Hopefully that's right. Uh, we w- went with bernays because we had nothing else. Uh, we went with roux, which I think is actually a type of sauce, which isn't... It's like a base for yeah. a sauce. Yeah. But we had nothing else. And then we went with the old uh, classics, the marinara and Alfredo. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. Um, okay. Uh, so school of trivia.com with that last minute pull of bechamel is getting all 10 points. Oh, you got man. all five. Uh, sauce to nice. that is I, awesome. And I helped. <laughs> that, yeah, that, that was, was just, some, that was some shake and bake right there. I, yeah, really. I was just proud to be in the room when it happened. Mm-hmm. That was, that was cool. <laughs> Yeah, well, we very, got two points nice. for trying. Yeah, you got you got four. Oh no, you got two. That was nah, we got yeah. two. Never mind. You got you got two. We got, got two the points. one that was on my breakfast this morning and nothing else. <laughs> nice. Uh, yeah. So sauce tomate is just tomato sauce. Um, velouté means velvety in French. Uh, Espanol is a brown sauce. Bechamel is a roux. Uh, so more specific than just roux. And then hollandaise. Nice. Nice. Job. All right. Uh, question ten. Team on a mission. The one and only time that my Rockies made it to the World Series was 2007 on the strength of an unlikely end to the season. Before they could make it to the Divisional Series, though, they had to win a do-or-die wildcard tie-breaking game 163. The game will forever live in baseball mythos with the question, did Matt Holliday actually touch home? Yes, he did. Which team, a divisional rival whose ace pitcher Jake Peavy won the Cy Young that that year but lost that game, thinks they were robbed in extra innings? I think I know which team he was on, so we can lock in with an answer. Uh, the views of Kyle are not necessarily representative of the views of Triviality Podcast. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'll never root for Matt Holiday doing anything because he's a cardinal in my book. Well, I know nothing okay, about he, this. He was not a cardinal yet. Believe <laughs> okay. me, I was also upset he went to the Cardinals. Yeah. I'm a Cubs fan. I'm a Cubs fan. Don't mm-hmm. worry. <laughs> but he said divisional. Yeah, no, I think I know, actually. Okay. I, I, I'm kind of vaguely aware of sports. As, as, as I'm not a big watcher, but I kind of know some of the names. And I think Jake Peavy was on the San Diego Padres. Padres that would okay. be in the same division as the Rockies, right? And yeah, West probably. or whatever? Probably. Yeah, so let's go with that. I think that's right. Yeah, last question. We had the Mamas. Now we got the Papas. I think it's the Padres. It is... The San Diego Padres. Nice. You if you ask me up. to name every baseball team, that's the last one I would name. Really? Yeah. They come <laughs> up in trivia a lot because they're notoriously bad, bad. at winning. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's why. <laughs> one of my favorite players ever on the Padres, though, even though they can never win, Tony Gwynn. Tony Gwynn. Yeah. 
Uh, well, after uh, regular, not regulation, after the first round uh, here in the game, I just wanted to kind of uh, give a little plug for type A, type B, type C, type D, type E, type F, uh, all types of plugs, um, just to join in on the fun. But it looks like after the first round, uh, patreon.com slash Triviality Podcasts uh, picked up uh, 22 points in the second half, bringing their total to 72. And uh, it seems after Alex uh, heard that he missed a question the first round, said, not on my watch, <laughs> uh, as uh, Ken and Alex uh, at schooloftrivia.com were betting perfect there, picking up 50 points. I helped too. I, I said with you, bringing uh, their total to 90 points. So 90 to 72. A little bit. Well, if, if people <laughs> listening at home, they just don't know that your your nickname is Bechamel. <laughs> that's right. Kenny Bechamel. Because mm-hmm. I'm smooth like that. That yeah. was the villain in Smurfs, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Kyle, what do you have in store for the uh, contestants today in the swing round? All right. So our swing round is musical instruments by family. I'm a high school instrumental Ooh. music teacher. So I like that. I like to do uh, this. All right. So are, I will give you... Those are some you... of our favorite people. Nice. <laughs> Me too. Uh, I will give you 10 musical instruments from around the world. For five points apiece, you simply tell me which of the four orchestral music instrument families each one belongs to. Those families are brass, woodwind, string, and percussion. So here we go. Number one, balalaika. Number two, shakuhachi. Number three, slentham. Number four, afuche. Number five, bombard. Number six, shofar. Number seven, tabla. Number eight, oud. Number nine, ophiclide. And number 10, hurdy-gurdy. I take it back. (laughs) And we will be thinking about these and we'll be right back. Want to learn how you can make smarter decisions with your money? Well, I've got the podcast for you. I'm Sean Piles and I host NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. On our show, we help listeners like you make the most of your finances. I sit down with NerdWallet's team of nerds, personal finance experts in credit cards, banking, investing, and more. We answer your real-world money questions and break down the latest personal finance news. The nerds will give you the clarity you need by cutting through the clutter and misinformation in today's world of personal finance. We don't promote get-rich-quick schemes or hype unrealistic side hustles. Instead, we offer practical knowledge that you can apply in your everyday life. You'll learn about strategies to help you build your wealth, invest wisely, shop for financial products, and plan for major life events. And you'll walk away with the confidence you need to ensure that your money is always working as hard as you are. So turn to the nerds to answer your real-world money questions and get insights that can help you make the smartest financial decisions for your life. Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to From Beneath the Hollywood Sign. If you love old movies, Hollywood history, or the golden age of filmmaking, you've come to the right place. This is the podcast that talks about amazing stories of Tinseltown from another era and fascinating conversations with writer-producer Steve Kubine and actress-writer Nan McNamara. One particular argument, he ended up dislocating Ava's jaw 
Ava, she was such a tough cookie. Rather than cry or scream or anything like that, she... Well, or she, call the police. Or call the police, like <laughs> she should have, exactly. What does she do? She takes an ashtray and she knocks him over the head and knocks him unconscious. That's how she fought back. She didn't know what to do, so she called Louis B. Mayer. I think I've killed Howard Hughes. What do I do? Revisit a time when the pictures were still big and everyone was ready for their close-up. When you want Tyrone Power instead of Tom Hardy, Jennifer Jones instead of Jennifer Lawrence, or Robert Mitchum rather than Robert Pattinson, then from beneath the Hollywood sign is the gin joint for you. Okay, after the swing round, it looks like everyone's answers are locked in. Just wanted to say uh, thank you to Kyle for teaching music, as all of us here in the studio had inspiring uh, music teachers at uh, different points of our our lives. For many of us, the same music teacher. For many of us, the same one. That is correct. So thank you for doing what you do, Kyle, and uh, let's go down these questions one more time and get the answers. Sure thing. So you are going to give me whether each instrument was a brass, woodwind, string, or percussion. Uh, Number one was balalaika. Right, I'll start it off for um, School of Trivia. Um, I believe this is a string instrument, and this is probably the one we were most confident on. And then the confident drop, the confidence dropped off pretty fast after that. So, Yeah, I believe this is similar to the guitar, uh, but Russian, and we said uh, stringed instrument. Uh, that is correct. It is string. Uh, it has three strings, and you actually play one of the strings with your thumb. I learned how to play balalaika in grad school it is an interesting cool. instrument uh number two the shakuhachi uh not too sure about this one uh we said percussion uh funny enough we too said percussion the shakuhachi is a woodwind instrument it is a it is a flute that uh that ronin played uh when samurai lost their swords they pick up shakuhachis so they would no longer be violent i should try that <laughs> when i'm feeling stressed <laughs> yeah uh, it's very zen uh, sorry, number three, the Slentham. Uh, this one we just guessed wood. Yeah, we guessed woodwinds. Uh, this one is a percussion instrument. It is a metallophone with like bars set across the top. It's part of the Indonesian gamelan. Uh, number four, a fuche. Uh, we said wood again. You might notice this for all the ones that we had no clue. We just said woodwind. So. Uh, weirdly, uh, we too said woodwinds. Uh, the afuche is possibly more commonly called a uh, kabasa. It is a percussion instrument. It's like a kind of instrument. Number five, the bombard. Wood. We guessed brass. School of Trivia is getting points. It is a double reed woodwind instrument. We knew it all along. From the Renaissance, because you love Renaissance Breton music, right? And double reeded instruments. Ken's like, nice. who could stop at the oboe and the bassoon? No, I need more. I need more. <laughs> uh, number six, the shofar. Okay. Um, well, uh, I guess I'm, I'm going to be really embarrassed if we get this wrong because uh, I'm, I'm familiar with this as uh, being raised Jewish. It's something, you know, it's like a horn. It's like an animal's horn. But we, we, we thought maybe it was brass because we don't think it has a, a reed in it. So we went brass. We guessed strings. Uh, the shofar is the animal's horn, um, and that is considered a brass instrument. Wow. doesn't have to be made of brass. It's the way it's played. If you buzz your lips, it's a brass instrument. Buzz and Number blow. seven. I play the That's guitar right. really poorly. <laughs> Hopefully not with your lips. Uh, 
Number seven, the tabla. Uh, this one I had heard of, and I'm pretty sure it's like a, it's a drum of some kind, maybe of Indian uh, origin. We went percussion. Sounds good. We said brass. <laughs> okay, uh, it is the drum of Indian origin, typically played alongside a sitar in traditional South Indian music. Uh, number eight, the oud. O-U-D for listeners. Right. Uh, this one we had no idea, so we guessed Oodwind. <laughs> nice. Uh, this is not our Oud to joy. We said percussion. Uh, the Oud is a string instrument. It is the predecessor of the lute, and it is still commonly played in the Middle East in hmm. traditional Arabic music. Hmm. Uh, Who would have thought? These are puns that are much better than ours. Yeah. <laughs> number nine, the Ophiclide. Um, again, uh, we didn't really know, so we had a we had a game plan here, and we went woodwind again. We did too. Uh, the Ophiclide is an old brass instrument mm. from the 19th century that nobody plays anymore because the tuba was invented. Mm. That was an upgrade from something else. (laughs) You you believe me. People tried a lot of things to figure out how to get deep sounds, and most of them were bad. And the tuba sounds great. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) In comparison, you should check out Serpents and Ophiclides. Number 10, the Hurdy Gurdy. Lots of discussion on this one. Yeah. Yes, we went back and forth between us on this one, and uh, we both were kind of picturing this instrument with a crank. And um, so it's going to be my fault if we get this wrong. We ended up going with percussion. Uh, since um, the dying screams of helpless children aren't uh, a group, we said strings. <laughs> All right. So the hurdy-gurdy technically, specifically, is a string instrument. It has a set of strings <laughs> oh, sorry. stretched over a wheel that you crank. You do crank the wheel and the spinning wheel, then you press each string down and it makes the sound. Um, sometimes hurdy-gurdy is used to refer to a barrel organ, like an organ grinder, mm-hmm. but even that would be closest to a woodwind instrument because it blows air through. Mm-hmm. So, uh, but technically it is a string instrument. That's mm. what I was going for. We, uh, we bookended that one Not with bad. some correct answers and the rest we won't talk about. <laughs> okay. After the swing round, it looks like patreon.com slash triviality podcast picked up 10 points, bringing their total to 82 Terrible and, team, but good team name. Good <laughs> yeah. team name. And uh, schooloftrivia.com picking up 20 points, bringing their total to 110. Yeah, the points are terrible, but the perks are great. <laughs> <laughs> All right, here we go, round two. Question one, everybody wave. Visible light ranges from red to violet. Invisible light includes infrared and ultraviolet. Beyond these, in either direction on the electromagnetic spectrum are four five points each, which types of radiation? Neither are especially safe for human exposure, but they are commonly used. Yeah, we're, we, can, we can lock in. Yeah. So I'm thinking, so we're looking for something that bookends the visible light spectrum and then is above infrared. So I think above infrared is probably x-ray and it's also commonly used. And then on the, uh, or, or microwave. Because as you go up, the, the waves get tighter, right? Sure. I mean, these I, 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 th- those two answers sound like answers that fit the clue, at least. I'm not All right. Let's go with, let's go sure with microwave right. and, and X-ray. 
Yeah, I uh, believe you're right. So after after ultraviolet, I believe would be X-rays as the the um, the distance between the two waves shrinks. Uh, microwaves, I guess that screen in there is uh, just big enough that they can't escape. So I believe microwaves are actually a longer wavelength than you'd think, and that's what we guessed. All right, uh, ten points for both teams: X-ray and microwave. All right, uh, Jeff's explanation was exactly correct. Oh, don't do that right. to him. His head's big enough. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Question two, a good omen. The religion Thelema was founded by arguably the most famous occultist of the 20th century. He was known for drawing ire from the general public and members of secret societies for his extravagant lifestyle and claims to have communed with demons and old gods. His Thelemic writings like the Book of the Law and Liber Arcanorum have influenced writers, occultists, and counterculture artists ever since. Fans of the show Supernatural are certainly familiar with his name. Who was this self-described prophet? Dean? Sam? <laughs> Winchester? I think it's... Put down whatever you think, and that's what we're going to go with. Ugh, okay. <laughs> I, I think the name I have in my head is an older name, um, and it, the that might match kind of like the the clues you know about demons and, mm -hmm. and this kind of stuff but is uh alistair crowley mm. um yeah the name in my head is uh alistair crowley i haven't uh seen supernatural i'm not sure so Same i can't here. cross cross but check it it definitely sounds like a name that they could have used so let's uh let's go with that um, they have a, probably a better answer. I had nothing and was just thinking about Supernatural. Uh, last name was Winchester, so we just went with Winchester. All right. Uh, School of Trivia gets points. It is Alistair Crowley. It's the last time I skip a biographics video. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, my, the, the category, A Good Omen, also was to point you toward the name Crowley as well from Good Omens. Mm -hmm. also, uh, oh, I also believe that uh, Crowley uh, was the inspiration for Ozzy Osbourne's song, Mr. Crowley, Alistair Crowley. It yeah. absolutely was. Yeah, he, he crops up a lot if, you, if you're looking for his name. All right. What's, uh, the, what's the reference to Supernatural? Uh, there's uh, a character named Crowley. Yeah. Yeah, who's yeah, kind of an evil dude. Um, all right. Uh, question three. Yeah, you better run. Of the 10 longest rivers or river systems in the world, only two are entirely contained within one country. Those two also happen to be in the same country. Which country is it? To clarify, all other, all of the other top 10 rivers uh, pass through multiple countries at some point in their run. Yeah, I, uh, I have a good guess. Uh, Matt agrees. We're going to lock in. All right. Geography, not my strong, one, one of my not strong suits of many. Um, did you have any initial guesses? I was thinking maybe... China, maybe USA. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, so, so as far as so, I, I I think it might not be those just because I'm trying to think. Oh, it very well so, might but, not be those. <laughs> sure, sure. Um, but uh, so the big rivers in China, it's not the biggest country. I feel like they probably pass through other countries i want to say like the yangtze and the yellow okay river well i'm leaving i'm leaving the call for you so you make leaving it out to me uh yeah it's it's definitely uh it's a good question it feels like something i should know i was thinking maybe russia you know it's the biggest country 
or possibly Canada is also one of the biggest. I can't I don't know name if they any would be able to get in either of those countries, but they are yeah. big countries. So I would. The Volga would is the big you. one in Russia, and I think it's might be fully contained. But so I'm that's not one. certain. Canada, I guess, would probably be. I know the longest is the Mackenzie, and then I think the Yukon, and those are probably both fully in Canada. But I'm not sure if they would both be in the top ten. Probably not. Well, you can make the call. I guess I would probably go with Russia. Like, say it's just such a big country, and then mm-hmm. like the Volga is probably in there, and then the maybe there's are, one the other one, are good. like the yeah. Rostov or something. Okay, um, we'll, we'll go with Russia then. Um, yeah, I, I was looking up river systems the other day. Um, I was pretty sure that the Volga was a longer one that I hadn't really thought about. Um, so we just locked in Russia. Don't know I if it's looking right. Looking up river systems the other day, <laughs> as one does. Uh, is actually it is not Russia. Uh, Alex actually named both China? of the rivers. It is China. The Yangtze and the Yellow it are is both entirely the... contained oh, in China. Oh, sorry. After he, um, after he said it, I had a guess. <laughs> that yeah, was yeah, onto it. my uh, my guess is not confident one. So Oops. it's all good. The Volga is number eighteen in terms of length, and the Lena is number eleven. Both of which are entirely within Russia, but they are not in the top ten. Uh, okay. Is that the first one that both teams missed? I believe so, yeah. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) All right. Uh, Question four. Zero to hip-hop hero. Clive Campbell, a Jamaican-American music legend, is often credited with the creation of hip-hop. Campbell spun funk and soul records during his 1973 back-to-school jam, which is considered the first hip-hop event. Clive Campbell isn't a great hip-hop name, though. What stage name did he go by? I buy that. Okay. We're locked in. I'm wondering if it's maybe one of the run DMC guys. Yeah, I don't really know. Um, the name in my head that's somehow related to you know the origin of hip hop is Africa Babata, but I don't I have no that's idea. A good guess. That's a good guess. To this let's, let's go with that. That's a good guess. Um, I was thinking back to old, old, old hip hop and a lot of names like Slick Rick, uh, Sugar Hill Gang and those kind of guys came to mind, but we ended up going with, uh, Grandmaster Flash. Uh, those are both good guesses. Grandmaster Flash, uh, became much more commercially successful, but this is DJ Cool Herc. Mm. My favorite. Yeah, <laughs> no, oh, no. <laughs> that's the name of uh, Hercules when he went and played clubs. That's right. That's right. He's actually um, got his own line of NFTs now. Mm. Actually, who doesn't? Kevin no, Sorbo. Just kidding. Oh. Just kidding. That wouldn't surprise me. Uh, all right. Uh, question five. No clue here. Just a plug to get vaccinated. Jonas Salk's 1955 polio vaccine was extremely important. It was the first step in eradicating a debilitating childhood illness. However, the Salk vaccine was only really used in the U.S. Outside the U.S., other polio va- another polio vaccine was equally successful. In fact, by 1961, when it became commercially produced, the Salk vaccine stopped being used. Who created this other, more easily distributed polio vaccine? You're suggesting we go with a Lucky Johnson? Yeah, I think so. Dr. Johnson. First name Tap, last name Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) Of Johnson & Johnson. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, we're locked in with a a Lucky Johnson, I guess. Are we going with a Lucky Johnson or you have an idea, Alex? 
No, I, yeah, I, I, it's, uh, I, I'm, I think the guy's name is, uh, it's definitely Sabin. I think it's Albert Sabin. Isn't but, that the uh, Power Rangers yeah. guy? That's Han Sabin. <laughs> I'll take your word on the board. No, I thought he was the coach that. from Alabama. Mm. All right, we're going with Sabin. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, points to School of Trivia. It is Albert Sabin. <sighs> the Sabin vaccine is uh, distributed orally, which made it much easier to transport and administer than the injected oh, one from Salk. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. I thought they were all uh, oral. Let's no. get the sad scores for us. The sad scores. Well, the uh, the insults uh, for the Alabama football team when they're practicing are also administered orally by Mr. Saban. <laughs> um, so uh, it looks like uh, team uh, patreon.com slash triviality podcast picked up 10 points, bringing their total to 92. And school of trivia.com picked up 30 points, bringing their total to 140. All right. Question six. Maybe he owed more than he thought. I don't know that I have ever felt personally victimized by a month, but it seems that T.S. Eliot did. His poem, The Wasteland, begins with the claim that which month is the cruelest? <laughs> my, my students likely agree what with all the standardized testing. We're yeah, I believe we are as well, yeah. Matt. The cruelest month. The cruelest, cruelest month. month. <laughs> Has this come up recently? Yeah, it's, it my, it's possibly my favorite Simpsons joke ever. Oh. <laughs> Uh, we uh, agreed this is the fourth month of the year, mm -hmm. April. Yeah, it's, April. it's coming around. April is the cruelest month. April is indeed the cruelest month. Nice job. Unless you're looking to buy a book from Neil Fisher, in yeah. which case it's the best month. There you go. Hopefully, well, I guess we're you past have, that. You would have just uh, April twenty sixth. Yeah, was your was your chance to buy it on release day? But guess what? There's still copies. It's only available for four days. April 26th <laughs> to April 30th. <laughs> Limited run. <laughs> yeah. Neil is the cruelest author. Cruelest author. <laughs> nice. All right. Question seven. Kind of like Ricky Bobby. There are two actors who have won back-to-back -back Academy Awards for Best Actor. One is Tom Hanks for Philadelphia and Forrest Gump. The other won 56 years prior for his roles of Manuel Fidelo and Edward Flanagan. Who was that Golden Age star? Neil. Oh, I'm not playing. I can't. Uh, help you. Do you know this one though? I do know. Of this course, one. you know that one. Um, we can lock. We can lock in. And they can lock in. And we're locking in. It's Clark Gable. Clark Gable's an old name. It is an old name. What would he have won for? Um, Movies. Well, wasn't uh, 39 the year of release for um, uh, uh, Humphrey Bogart, right? Casablanca, that was about that time. Mm. Clark Gable did uh, Gone with the Wind. Um, yeah, and then probably another was, movie. Was he in Mutiny on the Bounty as well? Oh, I don't know. Am I thinking of someone else? I don't know. Should we go Clark Gable? Let's go with, yeah, Clark Gable. Alrighty. Um. Yeah, so I think... Mean, I think uh, I'd have to turn in my Oscar nerd card if I uh, got this wrong. But uh, so I knew straight away with the back-to-back -back Oscars that it was Spencer Tracy. But the the roles, I think, so Edward Flanagan is uh, Father Flanagan from uh, Boys Town. So he so he's the uh, creator of, of the Boys Town that that uh, for uh, that group for uh, for like edit or this part out or right? whatever. Help. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> I lost my word in yeah, a train of thought there. Uh, young men, yeah. I'm trying to remember what the other um, 
movie is. I think it might be called Captain's Courageous, but that doesn't matter. The answer is uh, Spencer Tracy. Yep, the answer is Spencer Tracy. Those are the roles. Those are the films. Nice. Nice job, Alex. Uh, that was 1937 and 1938. So, Okay, question eight. Awkward. Michael Jackson was involved in the production of a number of video games throughout his life. Uh, this includes the unfinished MMORPG Planet Michael from 2011 <laughs> and playing the role of Space Michael in Space Channel 5 and Space Channel 5 Part 2. However, his first collaboration was the production of a 1990 game based on his film Moonwalker. This beat-em-up game has players, somewhat ironically at this point, rescuing small children from uh, Mr. Big mm. and his henchmen. Which console was Moonwalker made for, showing off its fancy 16-bit sound capabilities developed by Yamaha and Texas Instruments? Does it have blast processing? I played this game <laughs> constantly. I still have it in my house. Did you really? I played it all the time. I beat it a lot, and I played at the arcade. He was playing the portable one earlier. <laughs> because the best thing about it was, like, when he would fight, he wouldn't punch or anything. He would spin. He'd go, hee-hee, and then, like, yeah. a little stuff would come out and disarm people. Oh, that's disturbing. I have, yes. I have never met anyone who has actually encountered this game in the wild. I still have it. So you're yeah, locked in? Crazy. Yeah, we're locked in. Uh, I'm thinking, based on the 16-bit, I would say Sega Genesis. Does that sound right? Is 90 too early for is that? Is 90... Or is that about right? I believe... 90 is too early for that. Uh, I, so I, I, I'm not a big video game guy. I had a Sega when I was pretty young, so and it probably beat the it probably beat the Super Nintendo to the market. So I would, I would say Sega okay. Genesis. I, I go with you on this one. Um, yeah, 100% sure. He, I think he was actually working on the music for Sonic at the time, and they ended up not using or using a different version of it. But this is almost 100% Sega Genesis. It is the Sega Genesis, yeah. Uh, beat beat the Super Nintendo to the 16-bit market, uh, and yes, that. Thank you, thank you, Matt. Uh, Michael Jackson also supposedly worked on the music for uh, Sonic the Hedgehog three, I think. Mm -hmm. And for those unfamiliar, so Moonwalker was a game. It was based on a movie they used to watch all the time, and Mr. Big was played by Joe Pesci. And so in it, he saves these kids from like a cavern or whatever, and at the end of the movie, to fight. Joe Pesci and his army, he turns into a gigantic robot like a transformer. Okay. So makes sense. A classic. Yeah. Okay. There there are rabbit holes upon rabbit holes. Why do you have <laughs> to turn into a giant robot to defeat Joe Pesci? <laughs> That's a good question. Is, I, don't know. I mean, a little yeah. kid did it literally several years later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> are you shaming those kids for not being able to fend off Joe Pesci? No. Not everyone can be Macaulay Culkin. That's true. Question nine. Check out the size of those brooches. A recently departed public figure, born Marie Yana Korbelova in Prague, earned the nickname Madame Cajones for her comments about Cuban military pilots shooting down civilian aircraft in international waters. Who was this important woman who admittedly has some more notable aspects to her resume? I think we're good, Matt. Mm-hmm. Yes, thanks to NPR. I'm up on the current news, uh, so we're going to say Albright, yeah? Yeah, I think so. Confirmed. We too went with uh, former Secretary of State Madeleine Albright. Yeah, and she wore yeah. brooches to like send political messages to the people she was meeting with, I guess, which is pretty passive-aggressive, but cool. It's also <laughs> the best use of a brooch I can think of. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, that is correct. It is Madeleine Albright, recently departed. All right, and question 10, legal name changes. 
A recent upset occurred in international soccer when Italy, the reigning European League champions, were knocked out of the upcoming World Cup by a national team that everyone had considered to be underdogs. The people of that country chose to alter its name in 2019. This came after a years-long dispute with a neighbor over the historical boundaries of an ancient kingdom and which nation gets to claim that one guy who I guess was pretty good. What is the new name of that country? Believe yep. it or not, I know this from the soccer angle. <laughs> really? Yeah. I saw a little clip of it. Yeah. You guys locked in, though? Yeah. It's uh, North Macedonia now, right? Uh, Yes. That would be the name of it now, right? Yes. Yeah. Uh, used to be, what, the former Yugoslavian Republic of North Macedonia? Um, but we said North Macedonia. It is the Republic of North Macedonia. Yeah. Greece <laughs> didn't like that they called themselves Macedonia. Because mm. they have a region called Macedonia, which yeah. matters a whole lot. Mm, big month for upsets. March Madness <laughs> yeah, or really. whatever. Well, it uh, looks like at the end of regulation here, um, team patreon.com slash triviality podcast picked up 40 points, bringing their total to 132. And schooloftrivia.com uh, was batting perfect that second half of the second round there, uh, picking up 50 points, bringing their total to 190. <laughs> Ooh. That's a lot of points. That's points. There's a lot. There's points there. All right. Um, our final categories are S words, things you shouldn't put in your mouth, the pen is mightier, states that end in Hampshire, and celebrity jeopardy. <laughs> okay. All the wagers are locked in. So let's go to Kyle for the questions. All right, here we go. Question one, S-words. In the Summer Olympics, there are currently two weapons that begin with the letter S that are used for events. Name both of those two S-words. Just to be clear, shot put is not considered a weapon. Depends on how you use it. <laughs> in that context. <laughs> Question two, things you shouldn't put in your mouth. Leave it to children to ruin all of our fun. Since 1975, the sale of tiny species of what animal, as a pet, has been banned in the United States? The CDC says that this is because they present a higher risk of transmitting salmonella to humans. They are linked to a series of outbreaks from children putting the pets in their mouth. The animals themselves were probably fine, given their biological defenses and ability to hold their breath for long periods of time. Question three, the pen is mightier. Abraham Lincoln had some good one-liners, for the people, by the people, the house divided, and so on. Another quote, which may be apocryphal, was said in 1862 upon meeting a well-known author. The president reportedly said, so this is the little lady who made this big war. Which author was he meeting? Question four, states that end in Hampshire. New Hampshire has some notable firsts. It is home to the first presidential primary of every election season. It was home to the first attorney general of the United States, Samuel Shelburne. It was the first state to declare independence from England. It is also home to a couple of astronautical firsts. One was Krista McAuliffe from Concord, who was the first private citizen in spaceflight. She died on the Challenger shuttle, tragically. Who is the other astronaut, a spaceflight veteran from Derry, New Hampshire? And question five, Celebrity Jeopardy. 
Celebrity Jeopardy has had its share of gaffes and embarrassing moments for the contestants. Who can forget Regis Philbin forgetting nearly everything? Or Charles Barkley bravely asking the existential question, what is cats? On the other hand, some celebs fared very well, including Game of Death star and I guess pro athlete Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. However, the winningest celebrity was What Funny Man, who won $68,000 in the 2009 Celebrity Invitational. I don't remember which charity he played for, but it might have been to help his late night host friend get his career back on track. All right, we have the questions. Uh, We will come up with the answers and we'll be right back. Calling all kids in the car. Brittany and Meredith here from the chart topping family road trip trivia podcast. Are you dreading another silent car ride with the fam? We've got the cure. Three rounds of fresh trivia every single week movies music even science and disney we've got something for every trivia buff in the car no more crickets chirping on those long journeys the family road trip trivia podcast is your secret weapon for connecting and laughing with kids of all ages teens toddlers adults it doesn't matter spark their curiosity and challenge their brains with every episode new episodes drop weekly wherever you get your podcasts Search for the Family Road Trip Trivia Podcast and turn those car rides into epic adventures. Everybody shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. It looks like both teams are locked in with their answers, so we're going to go back to Kyle for the questions one more time and see how they did. Question one, S-words. There are currently two weapons that begin with the letter S used for events in the Summer Olympics. Name both of those two S-words. All right, we did bet 30 points for each of these. Um, For the first one, we said uh, saber pretty quickly, and the second one came a little slower. We think skeet shooting is an event, so we said shotgun. We said saber for the fencing and shotgun for the shooting. How many points? We wagered 30. No, 25. (laughs) And both teams are correct. It is saber and shotgun. Nice job. Uh, Question two. Things you shouldn't put in your mouth. Since 1975, the sale of the tiny species of what animal as a pet has been banned in the United States. The CDC says that this is because they present a higher risk of transmitting salmonella to humans. They are linked to a series of outbreaks from children putting the pets in their mouths, and the animals were probably fine given their biological defenses and ability to hold their breaths for a long period of time. Uh, I was pretty sure that turtles are uh, notorious for carrying salmonella, and a lot of the other clues also locked in, so we said turtles. Uh, We locked in for 25 points, and we said sea monkeys. And that is Tiny Turtles. Tiny, tiny turtles. 
Turtles under four inches in shell size are banned in the United States. Who would have thought? I like turtles. Kids shove them in their mouths. <laughs> so you remember dumb. the turtle clip? <laughs> turtle. All right. Question three. The pen is mightier. Abraham Lincoln had some good one-liners, but the one I'm asking about from 1862 is, so this is the little lady who made this big war. Which author was he meeting? Okay, we're pretty sure uh, he was meeting Harriet Beecher Stowe, author of Uncle Tom's Cabin. We wagered 30 on this one, and I'm glad we did. We too said Harriet Beecher Stowe. And that is correct, the little lady who got everyone riled up about the horrors of slavery. Question four. States that end in Hampshire. New Hampshire has some notable firsts, uh, but the one I'm asking about is an astronautical first. Uh, who is that space flight veteran from Derry, New Hampshire? This one presented uh, quite a challenge. There's a lot of hints in that about uh, other figures, but uh, we just kind of had to pick a a pioneer in space flight, and we ended up going with Shepard, right? Alan Shepard, yeah. We were thinking uh, it's probably Neil Armstrong, John Glenn, or Alan Shepard. Those are the three guys I could think of that had a major first as far as astronauts, and we were placing Neil Armstrong in the Ohio Midwest area. We know John Glenn represented Ohio in Congress, so we ended up, uh, by process of elimination, we went with Alan Shepard. For much of those same reasons, we wagered 25 and also said Shepard. I'm glad you guys worked that out. That is Alan Shepard. Yeah, uh, I thought about putting in a more specific clue, but uh, you didn't need it. So nice. And question five, Celebrity Jeopardy. Uh, who was the winningest celebrity on Celebrity Jeopardy? What funny man who won $68,000 in the 2009 Celebrity Invitational? And he might have been trying to help his late night host friend get his career back on track. Well, kind of like I said about the Oscars before, I think I have to turn in my Jeopardy nerd card if I didn't know this one. But uh, this is Andy Richter, a friend of Conan O'Brien. Yeah, we wagered 25, and he was definitely controlling the universe, I believe, on his appearance here. And we said <laughs> Andy Richter. And Andy Richter is also correct. Great scores there in the final round. Uh, it looks like patreon.com slash Podcast just couldn't do enough, but they did pick up an additional 80 points, bringing their total to 212. Usually that's enough. Usually it is enough, but uh, schooloftrivia.com. Uh, Too many points. 30 points on all the questions, all correct, bringing them 150 bonus <laughs> points, bringing their total to a whopping 340 points, making them today's cream of the crop. The cream of the crop. Nice. All right. Oh, Yeah. I gotta say, does I... your back hurt, sir? <laughs> oh yeah, it was a it was a total team effort. You were you were right there. In fact, we could have done a little better if I had listened to you on uh, on big big birds feathers and uh, maybe a couple sometimes, other times. I'm gonna say my gut. Works. I'm gonna say winning by 120 plus. I don't I don't know if you needed those extra. Yeah, few. you're fine without the extra 10 points. <laughs> I gotta say, it it does not feel bad though to do do pretty well and lose. You know, we stood our we stood our ground. You know, I don't mind losing to the likes of Ken or people who, you know, maybe won Tournament of Champions on Jeopardy. Uh, <laughs> I think I think our biggest mistake was not petitioning to end the game after five questions. It's really, <laughs> what, really what we should have done there. And we have a new format. If we get five for five in the That's beginning, it. we just flex out. We're like, all right, total it up. Let's go. Well, whoever was ahead. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, thank you very much, uh, Alex, for spending some time with us today. Uh, we were happy to continually plug schooloftrivia.com, but uh, any... Last uh, statements, uh, plugs, shout outs, anything you'd like to, to say? 
No, I'll just say if you're uh, if you're still listening, you're probably uh, pretty much the target uh, dem- target audience for uh, School of Trivia. Just uh, uh, Monday through Friday, five five theme questions to your uh, email inbox, and uh, you know, getting a lot of good feedback. Um, all knowledge levels are welcome. Don't be intimidated because we got different skill divisions, and you don't have to go up against the. the the cream of the crop, as you guys say. So, uh, yeah, this is fun <laughs> time. Check it out. Appreciate it. And thank you guys for having to- me. The top, the top level You're is welcome. Thank champion, you for... and then the bottom level is dunce. You, so you can enter, enter the dunce level. I think, actually, if we join, they'll have to add a, a level below that called triviality. <laughs> well, yes, thank you very much for joining us today. We appreciate it. And uh, a huge thank you to Kyle for just some wonderful questions. We were talking uh, during one of the breaks when the guys weren't here that uh, we both have an affinity for long-winded questions because there's a lot of fun clues in there. So I appreciated all of those. And you did a wonderful job today. But uh, any uh, shout-out statements, anything from you? Uh, sure. Just uh, first off, thank you for having me. It was a, it was a blast. Um, check out Potent Potables. That's uh, www.potentpod.com if you are a fan of Jeopardy. And uh, just for, for everyone out there, uh, support your local teachers. They are doing hard work coming out of uh, a lot of remote teaching and, and problems with the pandemic and chances are if you have a problem with the school system or something like that it's not a problem with the teachers who are treating your kids well so support your teachers well said well said uh well it uh, looks like that's going to be it for us today uh we appreciate all of you listening all of our patrons everyone who uh comments on our social media you can follow us at, at triviality pod but for today thank you very much to matt ken jeff kyle uh, myself, Neil. I'm not going to say uh, myself uh, one more time, but uh, Alex. Uh, thank you, Neil. Thank you. Yeah. And Alex, thank you so much again and for helping make this the plugathon to end all plugathons. Uh, that was Triviality. Bye, Neil's book. Whatever you want. I'm going to lock it. It's a rare food one, I know. I These. don't. I think those are Italian. You're Italian. Leave me alone. <laughs> 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 These are like some 14ers type uh, burns in the studio. <laughs> well, you're Italian. Leave me alone. I know you are, but what am I?